Hello, and welcome to the Fearless Storyteller Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Freckleton. Have you ever noticed how fear stops us from creating and sharing our best work? Join the Fearless Storyteller as we explore the heart and soul of writing stories, songs, and scripts that sell with the people who write them. Each guest has their own unique hero's journey and insights into the intersections between limiting beliefs and success. Marielle S. Smith got her start as an academic editor, but after a rekindling of passion for creative writing took hold, she expanded her services to include the mentoring of other creative writers. Over the past two years, she's been reconfiguring her environment and beliefs to maximize creativity and quality of life. These efforts have paid off, and now she has a great series of resources for writers to help them lean into their intuition and creativity. We had an inspiring chat about the heart of writing, along with several other rewarding tangents. So, I hope you'll enjoy this episode as much as I did. Marielle S. Smith, welcome to The Fearless Storyteller. Thank you. How have you been? I'm, uh, I'm good. I'm in a sort of post-flight mode uh, right now. Uh, I always think I can do things um, while traveling, that traveling doesn't uh, ruin my schedule, and I'm always wrong. <laughs> and so maybe that's another lesson that I'm going to incorporate in 2020. Yes. Um, to cut myself some slack around uh, traveling days. Oh, that's an idea. Yeah, right? I can relate to that. Although maybe you need a a tarot challenge for travel days. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna think about that. <laughs> so, for people who don't know you, Marielle, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Um, oh, but I did this. this I hate this question. I should work on my my elevator pitch, really. <laughs> so um, I, I really should. It's on my to do list for twenty twenty one. Right. Okay. So yeah, my name is Mariela Smith. Uh, don't bother trying to pronounce that the way my mother intended it. It's a Dutch name. I, I was born and raised in the Netherlands by a Dutch mother and a Scottish father. I currently live in Cyprus, uh, in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. Um, I'm a writer, I am a writing coach, I'm an editor, uh, I'm a translator. Basically, as long as it has to do with language and storytelling, I'm in. Um, yeah. I'm still trying to figure out how to brand all that I do. Like, like I'm, I'm still looking for the umbrella because mm. um, during summer when I was at the um, 20, 20K 20, no, 20 books to 50K conference in Edinburgh, mm. uh, spending some time with a nonfiction crowd. I never saw myself as a nonfiction author. Um, although I was, I was working to get one of my tarot challenges that I do on Instagram for writers and, and other creative people. I was trying to turn that into a book because um, my partner is a photographer and I saw that the, the I just, every time I looked at her pictures, I realized those like those resonate so well with the questions that I have mm. in that particular challenge, the first challenge that I did. I was like, wouldn't it be great if we could make like an ebook, you know, um, just, 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 just throw something together and, and see what happens. So when I was in Edinburgh, of course, when you are with the, the 20, uh, 20 books, 50 K crowd, mm -hmm. you can't just throw that into the group <laughs> and not have 20 people 
like keep you accountable until you do it. Right. Um, yeah. So like less than a week after the conference, I published the first book, my first nonfiction book, um, which was based on the first tarot challenge I did uh, this year. And now my fifth nonfiction book is coming out first of January. And that's going to be my fourth uh, creative tarot book. Oh my goodness. So you really are on a roll. I was teasing you about that. I think about two yes. or three books in, but you're, you're cranking. Well, this is the thing. And this is, it's really funny because as a writing coach, like it's so like people, some people assume that I've got it all together. Right. Um, but the of thing, course. The yes, yes. But the thing is, how do I know all the things that I know is because, you know, I, I, I try things and then I fall flat on my face and I learn from that and I try something again. Um, so that's how you get to to know how not to do it, hmm. uh, and, and and some things I'm still struggling with and learning uh, um, on the way. And one of my things is uh, my biggest struggle is thinking that people are not waiting um, hmm. on hmm. what I have to say. Yeah. So for me, like the like getting together with all those writers in in, in one while well, we were in a castle writing, it was a the writing retreat and a conference in one. So we were together writing and, and being with them was like, they were like, you know, just do it. Just mm -hmm. hit the button. So this is how I started. And then when you look at your Amazon dashboard, your KDP dashboard, and you see people actually buying your books, people you don't know, mm -hmm. you're like, oh, wait a second. Um, so that was my biggest hurdle this, this year. Mm. Um, so and now I'm planning to publish a book every month, wow. every first of the month, uh, 2020. There's going to be uh, some kind of book out. That's amazing. That's the plan. So yeah. let's see and let's see next December. Well, so whether I pull it off. <laughs> you're doing great. Yeah. I know we always hold a high standard for ourselves and yes. you know and look at it in that lens, but from the outside looking in, it looks like you're cruising along and creating a ton of great value. And you know, you mentioned you're an editor casually in passing and you know, I think about as a coach when I'm working with solopreneurs about positioning and, you know, and sometimes we leave out the headlines and, you know, you're, you're also an editor in chief of like what the journal of gender studies, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, the journal of gender studies. It's a bilingual um, a journal published by the university of Amsterdam. Right. So you're, uh, you're a big time like academic editor in chief journal yes. and you've got all these different hats that you're wearing and you're doing creative nonfiction you're writing fiction too right yes i yeah. do yeah yeah so that's kind of my i think i, I always i think my my biggest um pitfall i think is that i always like the story that i tell myself hmm. is that you need to find your niche and then become really good at that right but the thing for me is when I keep doing the same thing, I get bored really easily. Yeah. Uh, so for me, uh, so my current struggle is, okay, I do all these things. How do I sum that up? Mm. Uh, but yeah, like it's true. Like I, I, I have like since 2014, I think I've been the editor in chief of this journal and it's for me, it has become just one of those things that I do. Mm. And mm -hmm. I do like still like most of my income uh, I get through, um, like copy editing uh, dissertations. Mm, yeah, that's that's my that that's still my main uh, income. Right. Um, so yeah, and and I've I've taught at the University of Utrecht uh, in the Netherlands for nine to ten years. Yeah. 
So, so yeah, seems, I've really come from an academic background. Yeah. So it seems like you're, <clears throat> I don't know if your current path is like related to that or not, but it feels like you're kind of got a foot in this very serious academic, right? Like reputation and doing the things you should do like one world and this other world where it's like, you know, following your intuition and mm-hmm. right. And connecting with your heart and talking about personal true North right? Like, what is that like? Like, where are you in 2019 coming into 2020 with thinking about creativity and products and all this word, word writing? Well, so for me, like, I I think that the academic background has been extremely useful. Mm. Um, Even though, so I, I um, left the university last February. Um, I, I never close a door. I, I never shut doors for real, right? I like you never, because you never know where the journey is going to take you. Mm-hmm. So I'm always very open to that. But I did, um, I did tell them I'm leaving, and I'm also moving countries. Right. So um, chances of me returning are becoming very, very slim. Um, Although there are universities everywhere, so you never know. <laughs> and I would have to say that, like, of course, like, it's it's been immensely useful my academic background. I definitely think um, it's actually it's 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 because of that background that I realized that I can write. Mm. Because from the first, like, I, I published like only a few articles, right, academic articles, but for the. Um, like from the first, like I, I think eventually I finished only two. Like I have half a PhD lying somewhere, right? Somewhere <laughs> in, a, in somewhere in a box in my mom's attic, probably mm-hmm. um, back in the Netherlands. So it was it was then that I realized because of course the academic uh, system goes: you send a paper to a journal, and then you uh, get peer reviews. So it's like a, a double blind peer reviewing. So you get comments from people that don't know who you are. You don't know who they are. Mm. And all of them were like that the writing was so clear and that it was so easy for me to explain like very complex things, which is one of the reasons how I got into teaching. I never wanted to become a teacher. Mm. Uh, but my own teachers at the university at one point while I was doing my master's said, you're really good at explaining these things. So we, we need you as a teacher. So I started mm. teaching while I was doing my master's. Mm. Uh, and I just sort of like, you know, uh, uh, stayed for a long time. Right. Um, so that was really how I realized that I, I was, my, my writing was very coherent and clear and it was easy for me to get to the point and stuff like that. I never thought of that. Like I wanted to be a creative writer when I was like little, right? Like when I, when I grew up, but mm. I, I always got the, well, you know, you can't, you can't earn your living being a writer. So yeah. Mm. Um, so I was like, oh, I need a more useful career. And I, for a long time, I thought academia was going to be that useful career. Right. And and when did you start trying your hand at creative writing again? Um, well, writing for me was always like this secret thing mm. that I did. So I spent every summer, for as long as I can remember, every summer holiday and every Christmas holiday, I spent writing like mm. a maniac. Mm. Um, and that was a secret until I think about five years ago, there was a friend of mine, really good friend of mine. We had this conversation and, and we knew each other through, we, um, 
we, we both did English Lit at, at university, a bachelor's degree. So that's how we know we knew each other. So we talked about, about reading a lot. And at one point, you know, the conversation turned to, okay, you know, writing. And then we both like reluctantly admitted that we also wrote mm. and that we've always done that. So we promised each other, okay, we're going to send each other what we have. We were both working on a novel. We're going to send each other what we have. And we're going to be honest with each other. We're not going to tell anybody else. We're just going to see if what we do is, you know, well, should we continue doing it basically? Uh, yeah. Um, and that is how, like, that, that's how I finished the first draft of my first um, YA fiction, uh, of, oh, YA fantasy fiction um, novel, which is still like, I'm not going to, that's like, um, that's probably going to be like my magnum opus, right? That's going to, mm. so that's, uh, people have been and I've been been pestering me about it that I should finish it, but that's going to be my my thing. That that's going to be a trilogy and it's going to be my thing. But that's how I finally finished that because I had somebody mm. who said, "I love this. You need to finish this." And then I started, you know, letting other people read it, and they became my cheerleaders. And that's how I got into serious fiction writing. Mm. So uh, so that affirmation really did help, kind of set you on the path. Yes, yes, I really needed that, 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 that even just that one person said, you're not fooling yourself, you can actually do this. Mm. Uh, and it was likewise, like, uh, um, she surprised me about what she was writing. So that's, that was really useful. So we started doing, um, every few weeks, we exchanged a chapter. Mm -hmm. So that gave us a deadline. So that's, you know, that's how we, we, we finished uh, our work. And then we just sat together, uh, you know, had some tea, some cookies, and then we just talked about it. Mm. yeah so that that's how i became serious so i've always been writing fiction uh but that's when i said maybe i should just actually try my hand at this for real right that's really uh, that's cool. also when i started to sort of separate myself from my university life mm. like spiritually or energetically mm. well both it was really um the funny thing is for this trilogy and like I said, like no promises when, when I'm, when I'm going to publish this. Not one of your really, 12 books next year. Absolutely not. No, it's official. I, I have a, a really big um, vision board mm. in my bedroom mm -hmm. and I recently moved it from priorities to back burner material uh -huh. um, because it's just, it's just not, um, it's just not a priority right now. But the funny thing is at one point I realized that what I was doing my PhD on the, the, the particular philosophy that I was working on in my PhD and the literature I was uh, studying for my PhD, I was realizing that what I, what I, what I didn't see the novelists that I worked on do in relation to this particular philosophy. And if we start on this, we're going to talk for three weeks uh, <laughs> or I'll be talking for three weeks. Um, I, at one point I realized that I was trying to figure out the philosophy within the, my own work. Ah. So within this young adult fantasy world, I'm trying to apply a particular philosophy about right. life. Mm. And I was like, Oh, and I never realized. And then I realized, okay, so maybe the, the two lives are not, that's separate first of all so maybe my academic life is not that separate from my writing life but at the same point once i realized that like the academic life no longer felt like an outlet like i, I, I didn't feel the need to publish that phd anymore because i found an, another way of saying what i wanted to say mm. and you didn't need that external validation anymore no and that's a lot of people say come on you're halfway through your phd just finish it i'm like but, but then what 
Yeah. Well, I, if, I don't it's need, not bring, I, yeah. if it's not bringing you joy and not doing something for you. Very, very Mary Kondo. No, if it's not bringing you joy. Yeah. And I'm still like, e- even that, because at That's one my point. name. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> I, I, I thought it was. No, so at one point, my supervisor even said, you know, we could make a creative PhD and you just write that tr- trilogy mm. and that's become part of your PhD. We can do that. Yeah. Um, so I, maybe if I ever publish the page, the, the, the trilogy, um, uh, and feel like I can theoretically reflect on my own work, right? which I don't know if I want to do or can do. Right. So I think my supervisor still thinks, uh, I might eventually finish that big project, but right. I first have to write the trilogy. So they did plant a seed with you. They must, yes. they must like well, the idea. Well, this is the thing. I don't know if, if if it was their last attempt to keep me within the university or mm. whether they actually think um, this is fruitful mm. or good research or um, but yeah, but that's me. like I never I never really shut a door. Mm. Um, but she did put it on the back burner. And... I did recently, yeah, when I was planning 2020, I was like, I just can't can't commit to it right now so what what did that do for you in terms of putting it on the back burner did that create a shift for you in terms of freeing up capacity for other things or relieve any burden that you're feeling yeah it 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 gave me how do you say that it was almost um like you it's one of those things that you know you need to get to but it's you just you're not getting around to it so it's always on the back of your mind like sort of like trying to get your attention and you start to feel guilty about it Um, Uh and i do believe and i think this is in uh, liz gilbert's big magic she talks about the muse Mm. uh, and she 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 compares her way of seeing it with stephen uh, king's i I believe it's been a long time since i uh, read that book but she, she, so, so Liz Gilbert is a firm believer of if you, um, if even if, if a story wants you to write it, you have to respect the story and you have to respect the timeline and you have to do the writing. Mm. But, but I started this project when I was fourteen, mm. so I have all the faith in the world that it's going to stick with me until the end. <laughs> uh, so I think that's why I could safely say, if I do get to it. This, like in 2020 for some, like because I'm, I'm halfway through the second book. Right. If I do get through it, um, finish that first draft, that's like a bonus or a gift. Mm-hmm. Um, but as long as I keep calling it a priority, I'm going to half-heartedly do my other things. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I feel my path is more taking me in that direction at the moment. Right. That sounds like a powerful thing to realize. And Well, it's been a powerful year. Yeah. And so speaking of, of this, right, it sounds like we're kind of talking about true North and clearing our energy and being focused in some way. And um, so you have this, speaking of magnum opus, I don't know if it's a magnum opus, but it's definitely a large work, right? Physically, you have this book that just came out, right? Yes. Do you want to I, share about calling- that? Yeah, I've been calling it the magnum opus of 2019, <laughs> actually. Yeah, I have it in my hand right now. It's really heavy. 
Well, it's, yeah, it's I not, wish we could it, see. I wish we had video right now, just because I've seen a picture of you with it. And this thing, oh, like, you weren't kidding. This thing is huge. Yes, and um, um, somebody put a review up on Amazon.com, mm-hmm. I believe, and she put pictures up when she unpacked it. So mm-hmm. she, so, the, so if you go to Amazon.com, you can actually in the review section, you can actually see somebody go like, look at this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so there are, you can actually see what it looks like. Uh, of course, I also have my unpacking video on YouTube and on nice. my Facebook page. Nice. Um, yeah, so this was also... Um, so what's it called? It's, it's called a 52 weeks of writing author, journal and planner. Okay. And it's, it is, it's the nickname is the beast. Uh, and if you order a copy, you will know why. Um, well, this is also a project that I wasn't planning on, on, on writing because see, you know, this, I'm, I'm quite spiritual. Um, uh, mm. as in, I recently got my master Reiki degree, so I'm, I'm not quite spiritual. I'm, I'm, I'm really spiritual. Um, <laughs> Another thing, I'm, graduated. Yeah, but another thing I also do, right? Uh, I, I, I just love too many things, um, or the right amount of things. But uh, this was also one of those 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 projects that I had. I had all the material. Hmm. I just didn't know what was the right format because this is based on my writing coaching. Hmm. So this is all uh, this is all based on worksheets that I have. I have this three-month uh, writing program, this one-on-one program. Um, so it's basically an expansion of that. Mm. So I had I really had most of the material already. Um, I just didn't know what to do with it. And then I think it was October or something that I was trying to start uh, organizing for 2020. No, not 2020. I saw this. I saw this uh, this meme that said, "Well, you know, it's the it's the last quarter of mm. this decade. Mm-hmm. What are you gonna do?" And I yeah. think that that made me go, shh, shh, shh. <laughs> "I need to do something." And, and of course, like um, I, I'm quite a uh, I'm, I'm an achiever. Yeah. Um, so I, I didn't see what I have already achieved this year. Um, mm. So I was like, "This is it. I'm gonna." And I think I was meditating. I, I was med- I was meditating when I thought this could be a book, like an actual actual physical book. So I started working through the material I had, uh, showed it to uh, uh, some some beta readers. Uh, they got me feedback. I realized um, they needed more. That was good because I had that material as well, but I didn't know if that was useful. Right. So I added some of that material, uh, sent it back again. Uh, well, but if you could add this, I'm like, that's great. I also have that. Uh, didn't know you wanted that as well. So I added that as well. So it started like, a, I think it started at, at 300 pages, mm. 336, I think. And now it's a 489. Right. Um, but these, so are yeah, large that, page, yeah. these are large pages though. These are like, um, so what's the, like, what's yeah. the intention of the book? Like the experience for the reader, like, what are they getting? Well, it's not it's not your regular planner, as in, um, you know, I how, what do I do marketing wise? What do I do word wise? How many words I want to write a day? How am I going to do that? No, it's really. Um, so I just saw a review, and there's a new review on on, on Amazon, um, mm. and they called it a holistic approach. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, but but that's that's so it really uh, it, it it really uh, resonates with with how. I function as a person and, and, and how I see life and how I do my writing coaching. So it's really about um, 
see i i'm not a fan of 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 comparing yourself to others mm. and this book is really about okay so you want to go you want to get somewhere and i don't really care where you want to get in the next 52 weeks right mm -hmm. um, there are people out there who publish 30 books a year great there are people out there who finish half a manuscript and there are people out there who are happy if they can write 100 words a week mm. it doesn't matter it's 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 this this journal and planner is for people who want to get somewhere they have been wanting to get somewhere for a long long time and they keep getting in their own way mm. and they don't know why and mm -hmm. it's time to figure it out so i jokingly in the introduction say it's not for the faint of heart Mm -hmm. uh, because I do ask the, nas the nasty questions, uh, because the, I mean, the right questions are never the nice ones, right? right. Um, so it really is for me, um, and I also write about that in the introduction. For me, it's really, I know a, a, a book like this is not the same as having a writing coach, you know, like an actual person you can talk to every week right. or every two weeks, right? But I also know... Um, I have plenty of clients who talk to me and then they um, are absent for a long, long time. And then they get back to me when they are really, really stuck. And that's because writing coaches or coaches in general, like we're not the cheapest. Uh, we're not the cheapest. So for me, this, this, yeah. So it, the book is also, um, is, is, is also very much an attempt to kind of bridge that gap. Hmm. So it's almost somebody, um, one of the, one of the reviews also said, it's like having a writing coach and like in, 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 in print. Right. Um, so I do ask the questions. Um, the book includes uh, 52, well, actually 53, because I added a 53rd week, because of course I'm hoping that after 52 weeks, you just continue the journey. Hmm. Um, so it has like 53 writing prompts and some of them are, are exercises. Some of them are for research. Some are, some of them are, uh, to help you dig for some really, really difficult answers. Mm. Um, so I really do apply everything that I know uh, about writing and, and that I've learned about from my own journey and from my clients' journeys into this book. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's not your regular uh, planner. Like it doesn't have, it ha doesn't have dates. Like you can fill in the dates yourself. There is space. There's a calendar in every week where you can sort of break down your goals mm. But it's 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 not your. Um, somebody asked me. I don't know if you know the passion planner. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Okay, so somebody asked me, is it like a passion planner? I'm like, well, the passion planner, the the main part is the planner. Right. Right. It, it's just your regular planner. Yep. And this one, the planner is one page every week, and the rest is just questions. So, what do you want to do? Where did you, like, what did you want to do last week? Um, did you succeed? If you didn't, why not? Like if you did, or maybe did you ask enough of yourself? Uh, every quarter there's a, there's this time to reflect. Like, so how far did you go? How far did you come? How do you feel about that? Um, what got in your way? What do you think are your obstacles? Have those shifted from the beginning? Mm. What are you learning about yourself? All that kind of, so it's really, um, it's meant to give you insight yeah. into what makes you tick as a writer, um, where you keep going wrong or off yeah. track. Yeah. Yeah. So it really is a writing coach in a, in book form. So I, I saw a reviewer said it helps you or it gets down to the heart of why you write and staying on your own personal true North. And I wanted yes. to, to shift that to, ask what's the heart do you think the heart of why you write 
I recently answered that for an interview mm. or, or uh, that was more, why do you write? Well, because if I don't write, I become really, really cranky. <laughs> That's uh, a good reason. That's a very practical reason. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think it sums up that there are things I need to share with the world. And if I don't, uh, yeah, I get really cranky. Um, I don't, I just feel off like that. Mm. That's if something's not right. Um, so yeah, there are, there, and I think that this goes for everybody. Like we have stories to tell. Um, and that, that goes for nonfiction, of course, because nonfiction writers, we tell stories um, as well. Right. But for example, for these, so most of my books now are, are books that combine tarot or whatever. Like if you don't have a tarot deck, but you have Oracle decks or you use runes or crystals, you can, you, you can do whatever uh, with it. Any kind of divination is, is fine. Um, that's just something that just came to me, you know, one day on the balcony and I was like, Oh, that might be fun to do. Hmm. And then, so I started that as an Instagram challenge and seeing the responses that I got on that challenge was like, Oh, this, so this actually, this actually changes people's creative life. Hmm. Uh, Oh, so that's the validation that I got then. And then I was like, okay, so on Instagram, I don't have that much reach. Maybe I could turn this into a book. Then of course, in combination, um, would realize it like seeing all those pictures that my my partner takes and then thinking this would make a really great combination um that's what kind of pushed me uh, to do the first book um and like i said now i'm i'm the, the fourth one is on pre-order now right um and that's that's based on a challenge i'm doing now so i still do the instagram challenges so you don't have to buy the book like if you follow me on instagram you could just you know find the challenges and do them for yourself. You don't have to buy the book, mm. but you do get a different audience because not everybody's an Instagram. Right. Um, and if I look at my sales, I'm like, yeah, so that, that's still like people do want that. And especially um, I put the paperbacks up next uh, last month and people actually want the, the paperback. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I have, uh, I have uh, one of my, one of my biggest fans sent me a picture. She now has all my books. So she said the picture of the of her collection. I'm like that. That just that's that was really that was validation that I'm doing something useful. That's great. Uh, yeah, and so you're also writing. Do you want to talk about the fiction writing? Yeah, so I have my own project, my 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 fantasy philosophy project. Um, I also write under a pen name, mm-hmm. uh, Heather McLee, uh, with a friend of mine. Um, it's it's lesbian romance. Mm-hmm. Very, I love my niches. Um, and the reason we started doing that was it was kind of started as a joke. Because um, we are both, uh, we come from a literature background. Uh, she's, she's actually her, her work. I'm, her, I'm also her editor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and her work, like she was like, what's my genre? And I was like, this is, this is like literature. And she was like, no, 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 no. I'm like, I'm very sorry. But this is actual proper literature. Just the way she writes, the theme she addresses. It's, it's, it's not genre fiction. And she was like, but I want to self-publish it. Like, yeah, I'm sorry, but it's it's just it's it's just literature. Um, so we wanted to do something. So we wanted to do something fun, something light. Because even though I do write genre fiction, there's this whole philosophy behind it, uh, and it is based on academic research. So we wanted to do something light and fun. Yeah. We are very. Uh, we are both. We also publish two anthologies together. Um, is that the My Voice, My Story books? Yes. 
So we are both uh, very concerned about representation. That's one of the things that I taught uh, at the university. The representation, lack of representation, who is mm. part of the canon and who isn't, who do we see in television? Um, why uh, are women cast in these kind of roles? Why are black people cast in these kind of roles? Um, why do we write these particular things about these people? Uh, and I am one of the thing, one of the books I want to publish in 2020 is a book called Representation Matters, which mm. is going to be a guide to help uh, uh, writers who want to be more diverse, mm-hmm. avoid great. some of the most current pit, like most common uh, pitfalls. That's the that's the plan. Um, I mean, most of the book is there, but uh, I have to still get it together. So that's why we thought uh, we wanted to do something fun. And we also wanted um, to do something useful. So create some, create something of which isn't there, there isn't much there yet because mm-hmm. there's plenty of romance books um but yes. there's not there's not a much there's not much lesbian romance so we were like well also write what you know uh, we were thinking um so let's just do that like let's not go with the most popular thing uh but let's do something that we would actually enjoy reading as well uh, and we could use some more so we also looked at um Okay, so what kind of stereotypes don't we want in our work, mm. right? So we didn't want to repeat uh, uh, certain things. Um, so we, we we did think through. Okay, so what stories do we know? Um, what stories do straight authors have? Um, what is common to happen for for lesbians in in, in stories? And that kind of thing. And then mm. we uh, said, okay, look, so let's write these kind of books. And so do you do you follow loosely the romancing the beat? Kind of the twelve beats of like traditional yes. romance. To to a certain extent, because we are breaking we're breaking the rule of rules for romance. Mm. And that is that um spoiler, they're not together at the end. We <gasps> write Yes, I know. I know. Um because we, uh, this so this is sort of my brain, I think. I think in trilogies, which is very useful. Um, so I we envisioned kind of a world, and then we uh, and then I envisioned couples in that world, and then I saw a trilogy. Because let's let's face it, you know, uh, getting getting together with someone, it isn't you know sometimes it takes a few tries. Sure. Um, so that's one of the things. So one of our um, one of our pen names, like taglines, is realistic lesbian romance, mm. um, because we wanted to write something that's a bit more uh, like real life. Mm. So yeah, it takes it takes our couples. Well, I mean, I I know because I know the world we are creating. Um, but the third book is coming out the twenty second of December, so that's going to be the end of the first trilogy that we have. So for our our, our uh, our other tagline is third times a charm or three times a charm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it takes them until the, the third book until they finally, finally um, tackle their biggest obstacle when it comes to receiving love. Which is um, them, right? It's their own thing. Yeah. So it's the big thing, uh, the big finale. Um, right. So it so sounds yeah, like, so, so it yeah. sounds like you're using the relationships kind of, which which would be realistic. I guess it's a half question because I haven't read them. Um, or is it working under the premise that like relationships are a mirror for us to do our own growth work and evolve? Like, are these characters evolving with their relationships? 
Yeah, yeah, I would definitely, I would definitely say so. Um, and one of the responses that we get from the main character of the first series is that um, our readers are like, like at one point, like you, you almost get annoyed with her because mm. you're like, come on, let like just, just, just get a, like, get a grip on yourself. Uh, but of course, the reason they get annoyed with them uh, is probably because it's, it resonates. Mm. Uh, it, it is difficult to cut through old patterns. Um, yeah. So yeah, sometimes that takes three times of, of running into the same person before you realize, mm. no, this maybe this is meant to be. Yeah, and I guess you know, insert your personal taste into this, but I guess, you know, with lesbian romance, you wouldn't have that happily ever after sex <laughs> that's so common in the traditional romance book. Well, yeah, so that's, we, we were, we, it, it, it took us a long time before we realized exactly what the subgenre was. Yeah. Um, because when we started doing this as a joke, we were joking to other people that we were writing lesbian porn, right? And of course it's not that, it's not even erotica. Right. Um, which I only learned because I was um, on a, uh, um, I was on a, on a podcast and that month, so I was there for, for I was a, like a guest for a month. And the, the month was about writing erotica. Uh, mm. And this was at the very start of our journey, right? So I was also there like, oh, I wanna learn. Um, about this, uh, so it's it's called it's it's called sexy romance. So there is sex, but it's not the main uh, element. Right. Uh, or we call it steamy romance, I think, in the states. Yeah, but it's so it's 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 also sexy is a bit before that. Okay. Because we 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 use oh, steamy, like, and people were like, no, no, it's not because the 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 how they the steam level, right? The steam level yeah. is kind of between one and five. It's more in the middle it sounds like yeah so the scenes are there uh but the it, it really is mostly about character development um how they um get over themselves or basically how they get over what's keeping them from accepting a new love in their lives right and you know you know like in i don't mean to turn this into a critique thing but i i edit sometimes like romantic suspense books and I can see when, like, the beat sheet is pulling the story. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah you know what I mean? Yeah, so how I work is, because uh, I do, like, as an, as an editor, like, I, I, know, I know the tropes and, and like, I know, the, what, I know what's important and what's not, right? Right. But I also believe very much that, in the end, it's the author's voice. That's the key. Mm. Um, so what I always do with our, with our book, so we co-write. Mm. Um, so basically I outline, I'm a really good outliner. Mm-hmm. My co-author is not, she's really good. Give her a writing prompt and she'll write something. Right. Cool. So I write, I write beats as if they are writing prompts. Um, so she writes something. I'll get the, like, that's, that's very bare. Like it's, it's, it's very, um, it's just scenes, you know, there's, there's nothing connecting them yet. So that's what I do then. No, I connect the whole thing. Hmm. Uh, this is usually when we send them to our first round of beaters. Because uh, in the meantime, we've gotten quite a, uh, quite a good team together. Then she gets it back. She goes through their comments. She adds or she extracts or whatever. Then I have it back. I go over it again. Uh, we send it back again. So I, um, So when I do the outline, uh, of course, we talk about the outline, of course, right? Uh, but mm. it usually starts with, I have an idea. 
uh, and then we talk about it. Like, this is work. How do you, so we sort of like the last one we did was actually on a road trip to Loch Ness. Uh, mm. after the after the uh, 20 books uh, conference yeah um so we just like we were driving to Loch Ness and we we're just like going uh, over our notes um so I first do the outline then I get the beat sheets um or the the, the romance and the beats thing okay and I just look at whether I've hit most of that and usually just um organically I've I've done that mm. so usually I hit the notes um, and I don't, I don't care as much if it's not entirely on point, because mm-hmm. I think what comes across, uh, especially with the romancing the beats, it almost feels like um, that all the all the parts are as big. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So so many words in. You have. So I'm more like as long as the elements are there and they are there in the right order, mm-hmm. I don't really mind how long because of course if you have a very long introduction before something happens that's problematic mm. um, but I'm, I'm more interested in are you hitting the notes then where are you hitting them right so i i, I make i just make sure that we hit that because sometimes you do forget certain elements um and it comes like drag especially for like you don't want a saggy middle for example mm-hmm. and i think i think something like romance in the piece is very useful for that so you don't get that sort of like ugh. Um, but yeah, I, I do first write the outline. I first plan the outline and then I check, like, do I, okay. Yeah. So then we're good to go. Like it's close mm. enough. Mm. Yeah. So no, but I do what you, I see what you see. It, 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 it's, it's becoming very, uh, I, I have that as well. Sometimes with authors, I'm like, where does this come from? And I'm like, oh yeah. So this is just step number or something. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And you're like, oh yeah, it's not really natural to have it here the way you are writing. So I have to explain you know, like if you yeah. want this, just put it there because it's yeah. more natural. You're gonna have to, have to yeah. set that up a little bit, or yeah, yeah. And so, I guess it you know it raises a question for me, just what you're talking about there, right? We're writers and we're editors, right? And then yeah. So I think we see both sides of it, but when you're the writer, is it hard to take criticism and critiques and feedback from from an editor, or? A beta reader? Like, how do you handle feedback and criticism? Well, more gracefully now than I did when we started. <laughs> uh, well, okay, so one of the things is that uh, there is this, I, I've, I've once read this article and I should have saved it because it's hilarious. It had like examples of, you know, when an editor tells you this, and that was like very constructive, nicely formulated, you know? Right. They actually mean what the are you doing here? Uh-huh. Like, what is the, what is this nonsense? Like, what is this? Scratch this. And then, then of course the translation uh, is something like, um, you might consider um, taking this scene out or placing it elsewhere. Uh, and then the nice, you know, friendly explanation right. of uh, that's, and, and I, I know that like, I do the same thing as an editor. You go like, what? And then, Oh, how do I, how do I actually explain this to the author? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that it being, first of all, it not being mean or nasty uh, mm-hmm. because that, that's never, that there's never any point to that. Uh, and how can I be constructive Yeah. while still bringing my point across? Uh, so um, of course we work a lot with beta readers and, and, and they don't have that. They don't mm-hmm. do the translation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they yeah. just go like, yeah, no, no. 
No, I think this is no. So it, it's 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 funny because at the beginning I was like, and I was like, oh wait a second, no. But they what they would have said if they were actual editors, because of course the editors I work with, yes, yeah. yes, they they do exactly what I do. But so with readers, I'm like, oh no, what they want to say is this. So now I understand. Mm. But at the beginning I was like, that's just rude. I was like, I would never. Oh yeah, but they're not editors; they're mm. readers. Right. And how long did it take yeah. you to kind of like snap your mindset over to? to the editor hat was that um that i think that only took me like the first book that yeah. we did to, the, the the first romance book that we did together yes. yeah and now i yeah. know most of the beaters uh, unless of course a new person like we have new people coming in and people volunteer to be on our arc team like people who read our books and, and want to be part of that mm. uh but now i know some of them like mm-hmm. quite well so i also know yeah this is just they they just have a particular preference yeah. Uh, so I know how to deal with that. Yeah. And, you know, I, I ask about all this because it's a common experience for people listening, right? Is especially earlier in the journey, like not having expectations for what getting criticism and feedback is going to look like. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm not sure it ever gets easier to open that document and look at it the first time when you have comments waiting um, mm-hmm. at least at least for me yeah. <laughs> no i know i I'm, I'm with you 100 like it's it's always because i have that with like even with every book that i do now like uh it's become easier because i i focus more on the okay next one uh next one next one mm. uh, and that helps me like stay in the momentum mm. but somewhere in the back of my mind i still go okay so now now they're gonna realize i i know nothing yeah uh, so that the and, and one of the other projects for 2020 is a book on imposter syndrome. I'm writing with another writing coach. Cool. So this is great because we both suffer tremendously from imposter syndrome. So it's going to be a really personal book. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think for I think uh, you'll always have that moment. And for me, uh, so so my my big project for this year was the 52 weeks of writing, and that is such a personal project. Mm-hmm. Um. So, because the, 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 the tarot books, they're, they're just like little cute books, right? So like it, it was easier to distance, even though they're very personal in a way, it was yeah. easier to distance myself and make it smaller for me. Like they're just little booklets, like, you know, it's just, you know, a few questions. So it was mm. easier. But this, of course, when this thing came out, like I, I started an ARC team quite early because I wanted my, um, the people who got the advanced reader copy, I wanted them to have time to actually do it for a few weeks, you know, preferably even the first three months. So, so even um, not everybody has put up their reviews yet because I said, like, if you want to get through the first three months, which is the first big reflection moment, that mm. is fine. Just let me know mm-hmm. if you first want to really, really do the journal. Um, but that, of course, when I send this, the, the, when I send this out, this was terrifying because this is my work. This is mm. my, this is what I've been doing for the past five years or so so this is this was the real deal so that was very scary yeah uh, and it's still scary because um every time i open amazon there's or goodreads there's a new um review there's a new review and now reviews are showing up from people that i don't know yeah um so that is much easier like it's a very vulnerable project for me um so i think that that is um 
I think that is also important. So the more you put, the, the more uh, heart and soul you put into a project, I think the scarier it is. But at the same time, uh, and I just I just wrote about that because uh, I'm, I'm of course I'm doing my my own current tarot challenge uh, set set yourself up for success on on Instagram, mm. and I was just trying to catch up earlier today uh, because the, the 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 flying traveling. Um, got me out of that and one of the things i wrote was actually uh was actually about that that it's it's um that it's more it's, it's scarier yeah but it's also much more exciting like if you if you've done something that you're really fully 100 percent behind mm. yes it's 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 you're more vulnerable so I'm, I'm sure i'm gonna get that one star review and somebody saying well this is bullshit like this didn't help me at all Right. And I, I know that's going to be a really tough day for me. Um, mm. So, yeah, I, 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 I think. Are you going like, to read that review before or after you write for the day? <laughs> yeah, well, I don't want to like my, 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 one of my things is that I tend to check these things before I go to bed. Oh, I really shouldn't be doing that. Well, it's been good for now because I've I've only had five star reviews. Right. Uh, <laughs> and well, I want actually actually one one person left four stars on Goodreads, but the same review got five stars on Amazon. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, yeah, so I'm good for now. Uh, so now I'm go to bed like, yes, yes, I'm doing something good. Um, but yeah, I probably should be doing that because uh, it's a matter of time for the bad reviews to show up. Because mm-hmm. uh, that's cool. Well, I mean, I mean, but it's like we have this joke, right? Like you, you haven't made it until your first one star review. <laughs> So there is still credentialing in the creative writing field. Yes, yes. But the validation is just how low can you go? Um, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. In but, academics, but for, it's the yeah. PhD. In, in creative writing, it's the one-star review. Yes. No, but to get back to your uh, how, how to prepare for your editing, um, mm. I do. And this is, of course, like a lot of people, especially like if you, if you self-publish, especially like there's always a discussion, like I cannot afford an editor, which is also fair. Um, because we are not cheap people uh, no. to work with, uh, and of course there are people out there who are cheaper. Um, right. Um, but yeah, I, I do sometimes see people uh, in the groups that, and I, I know you're a member of them as well, that go like. I just got this back from an editor. Like, what do I do? Do I continue to work with this person? And and they would what I would have, what I would call they would have the unedited. They would have sent the unedited version of their own self talk as yeah. they go through a manuscript. Yeah. And I'm like, no. Like, part part of part of good editing is is um, for me anyway. But that that might be. I'm sure there are editors out there who, who are much harsher than I am. Hmm. Uh, but no matter how harsh I am, I try to say that in the kindest way possible that might be that that might be the writing coach speaking at that moment yeah uh, but also the teacher yeah uh, like it's no nobody's gonna learn anything if you just keep if you just keep telling them what they're doing wrong yeah nobody's yeah, I, gonna learn right i agree yeah. with that um, yeah. so if you ever do have an experience like that <laughs> walk, walk away because yeah. there are other editors out there who do have the patience and time and decency um, to be constructive. And that's one of my things. It's like I'm, 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 uh, I'm very didactic. Like I love mm. teaching. 
Mm. Um, and I, I, my, my uh, clients always get back to me like, you're so thorough in your commentary. And I had the same from students, right? Because mm -hmm. I remember when I was studying, like you had all the professors and they need to, to, to grade your work and you got like, yeah, this is uh, what would be the equivalent in the, in the US. Let's say you get eight, eight, um, let's say you get like a B and mm -hmm. they're like, and it says great work. And I'm like, yeah, well, this is great, but I want to know how to get the, the B to a B plus mm -hmm. or even to an A minus. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was always like, I always give really thorough feedback. Um, and my students love that. And I, I get the same from my clients and you know what the great thing is, the next book that I edit mm. by them, it's easier for me. The, the mm. next academic paper I edit is easier for me because they will have, because I explain what, what's going wrong yeah. and how they can do it better. Yeah. That's, uh, that's a really rewarding arc in working with somebody. I, yeah. So they, so, so you, if you, if you work with, uh, if, if you work with an editor like that, like you, you also invest in becoming better in your craft, whether that's academic writing, whether that's fiction or nonfiction writing. Uh, and that in the end makes the actual editing cheaper. Yeah. Because yeah. you learn so much. Yeah. It's a good reason uh, to invest in editing. If you look at it like a class fee, you're paying for a class. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. yeah. If you work, and that's the thing, there's so many people out there who call themselves editors. Um, uh, and I do, I, I have a client that's just, just as an example, because people also don't understand why editing is, is very expensive. Right. And, mm. and you said it yourself, like you edit as well. It takes an awful lot of work um, yeah. to do, to do it well. It, it doesn't, it doesn't have to take an awful lot of work. It's, probably the, well, lowest, it it's probably the lowest paying thing that I do by the hour just because it's a lot of work to do it well. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, a, and, and, and that I, I once had a client uh, and I was redoing her book. Um, I was actually like, she realized there was something because most of what I do is developmental editing for, for mm. fiction and mm. nonfiction. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to add copy editing and proofreading uh, in, in 2020 is one of the projects. Um, but I've been focused I'm, I'm development, developmental editing is my, my big love and I focused on that for the past few years. Mm. So she, she wanted to redo a book and she wanted to start at the developmental uh, level. <laughs> and I, I, I saw some like some current things showing up, right? Just writing things that I'm like, if you know that, you're not going to do that again, right? Like just like how do you, um, like how do how do you actually like, wh where's the comma in the dialogue, you know, mm -hmm. stuff like that. So I'm like, it's, it's, if I just explain it to you or link you to an article, you're never going to do that wrong ever again. Yeah. Um, so and she was very surprised by how many mistakes I saw in the book. So I was like, so did you have a copy editor? No, I had a proofreader. I said, okay. Um, yeah, I've heard that like, and she had the comments from, from other people in her reviews as well, that it was really badly edited. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, it is really badly edited. So maybe not work with that person anymore. And then she said, no, but I'm like, I, I paid $80 for this <laughs> and yeah. look at the job. And I was like this, so this manuscript is like 50, 50,000 words. Yeah. And that, so I calculated for her, um, what that person would have made per hour. Yeah. And, and then she was like, Oh, that kind of explains why they're still lingering or very, it was more about consistency. Yeah. Like interpunction wise and stuff like that yeah. and how words were written, like hyphenated or not. Um, yeah. And I was like, yeah, so this is, so this is what a person would make per hour 
uh, and I know it's US, so I know that, for example, for me, like I'm, I'm a bit more expensive than most people, but uh, I, I pay to the Dutch tax system and that's very, that's, yeah. that's not a very friendly tax system. Right. Um, so people like I do work with a lot of Americans and, and, and people from the UK uh, and they just work with me because they love working with me. Yeah. Uh, they don't work with me because I'm the cheapest editor out there. But the mm. thing is, if, if you th- if, if people think you can get your 50K book edited for $80 or proofread for $80. Yeah. Yeah, people, I don't, I can't remember how much I got, but that's, that's really bad. Yeah. So I, um, I, know, I know that developmental editing tends to be the most expensive form, but, yeah. I, and personally, I've only paid for it once, but I learned so much from the process. Well, that is the thing. Like yeah, you, it was become, like it was like paying for yeah. a class. Yeah. Well, I have one. Like one of my services. Uh, well, I, I called the Butcher's Block. Um, yeah. I was gonna call it the the development at a two point but one of my clients ha- called it the the Butcher's Block. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and even though it's it's my like it's my most expensive developmental editing service, yeah. it is like I, I I say that on my website. Like it's the perfect service, especially for newbie writers, which is kind of sort of like uh, oxymoron, right? Because yeah. they are the people who don't have the money. But yes. that is bec- that is because in the the Butcher's Block, I also um, assess your writing. So you yeah. will get like the people who do that, they get a list of like, okay, so, you know, let's say, let's talk about a passive or strong verbs, right? Mm. Stuff like that. So every, everything I know, like if I, if I do a developmental edit, I'm not looking too much at the language because that's not where the story is yet because you're still in that. How do I tell the story in the right, right. way? Right. And then the language comes later. But for the butcher's block, um, you, get the, you get the full thing. So I will also assess your language. So you just get a list of things. This is what you're doing consistently. This is what you should be doing. Uh, and this is why. This is the rule. This is the, this is, this is, uh, or the rule. Most of the things, of course, are guidelines. Um, um, so yeah, but that's also, I call, as well, I say, this is great for newbies, even though it's the most expensive thing, because once you get that, you have the developmental edit, you have the language edit, and you go, you learn so much. It's, it's terrifying to yeah. open that, that if you open your manuscript because it's like <laughs> all red, right? So it is terrifying. I always, I always start my assessment letters with, okay, read this first. And then I just start off with the good things, right? And then right. now you can, now you can open the manuscript because um, otherwise it's going to be, it's going to look like, I mean, I, I have that, like when it's all red, I'm like, oh, but yeah. even though, yeah, I know it's all good. Um, and of course, in the end, you get to accept or not. It's true. I think a lot of people forget, like especially newbie uh, authors, they're like, well, my editor says so. Well, your editor is a person with a preference. Yeah, and that's such a good thing to point, powerful thing to point out. It is, somebody's telling you how they would do it. And, you know, you may yeah. be paying, you may be paying for their opinion because you value yeah. their work. But if you're hiring somebody blind, I imagine it gets yeah. harder to discern that. Well, I think that's why it's really important. I think it's less for a proofreader, yeah, because they look at the the the, the final errors. Right. But for somebody who does your line edits, your copy edits, or your, your developmental editing, you have to have a really good click, and the the editor has to understand what you want to do with the story. Yeah. Uh, and not force their voice onto yours. It's a lot of trust at that point. It is. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's the most vulnerable. Like, I I usually get the manuscript before anybody else has seen it. Because the developmental edit is like, well, you can do, you can do a manuscript critique, yeah, um, right, which is like the the sort of like the the the, 
the light version of a full developmental edit, mm. or you can do an outline critique, mm-hmm. which is the first thing you can do. Right. Um, and these would yeah, save yeah. these would save you money and time as well to do. Yes. Outline. Yes, and I love like outline critiques are some of the things I do most, and I love doing them. Yeah. Uh, it's it's really it's really it, it's 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 affordable, and it gives you a really good starting point, and you can just sort of like iron out all the things before you even start. Uh, right. But yeah, it is. It's it's very vulnerable because uh, nobody's ready yet. Usually, like usually, well, so sometimes like friends have read it, but not a professional. And I think the whole idea of like, like I have, um, I have that with my writing coach clients. Like part of like my my uh, my writing coach program has like uh, three different levels. Yeah. And one of one of the no two of them come with editing, like so many hours of editing, right? Yeah. So I recently had a client, and and she was like, uh, so this like I was really the first person to ever read her like not her husband not her friend not anybody so she was like sitting at home like holding her breath like what's gonna happen now yeah yeah but i think it's like if you know that as an editor you take extra extra care to be as gentle as you can be yeah Yeah. (laughs) that's the helpful perspective yeah that's what i try anyway i had one final question i know we're running out of time but um i wanted to ask about what it was like or the, the intention and what you learned from putting together a couple anthology books. Uh, that would be the my sto- my voice my story books. Um, what I learned? What 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 what? what I, well, I didn't learn that, but my but but Sheena, my yeah. co-author and my, my co-editor, uh, which she learned Vellum through that like really well. Mm. <laughs> um, what I learned uh, well, for this particular project, uh, and this is really our passion project, right? Like it's um, this, the, 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 the first one is out in paperback because we, um, we, we were asked to participate in some award thing. Yeah. Eventually there, were, there weren't um, any competitors in our genre. Mm. Um, oh. So we couldn't actually participate. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you do pay for the paperback, but we put it, um, like what you pay is the, um, God, words, um, like what Amazon tells you the book is going to cost a printing cost. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, so the book, so we don't make any money on that on both anthologies. Uh, we don't make any money. We force Amazon to keep them, uh, for free, mm. um, by putting them on Kobo that that was our clever, that was our clever moment. Like we put them on Kobo so we could force Amazon. Uh, to make them perma-free. Uh-huh. Um, this is for the yeah, paperback or the ebook? No, 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 no. This is for the ebooks. No, because yeah. the, of course the, the the paperback has print costs. Yes, yes. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So though, so we put that that that's the print cost. Would you pay? I don't even know what it is. Like four dollars something. That's the print cost. Um, it depends. Of, yeah. of, of the book, yeah. So. Um, so yeah, we, we, well, that was my, that was, that was one of my, I was hoovering the house kind of moments. I was like, I want to do something. And of mm-hmm. course, as I said, like I used to teach uh, representation. Yes. Um, so, you know, what, what kind of voices don't we have and, and how do you do it well? Uh, if you provide a platform, that kind of question, that's the kind of questions that I had. So what I learned through those projects is first of all, um, it, it's always good to have like multiple editors because you will disagree. Mm. on the, the the stories you pick mm. um what i also learned is that sometimes the message in a story is more important than the quality of the story mm. so if you pick up one of those anthologies it's not going to be it's, it's like some stories in both books are like 
excellent, right? Like really, really well done. And some are less, but they're maybe from first time authors or we always have like, we, there's always this story by this kid, you know, uh, mm. who decided to, to, to do this story. And what I learned personally, because um, we're both co-editors, but I was the editor, right? So I edited the stories. Right. Um, so what I did for the first one, Subatomic, what I did for the first one, we had a few stories that had an interesting message but really were not good quality. So with these, there were three people. And with these people, I was like, okay, so I can like coach you through this um, and see if we can, you know, sort of like make them a bit more um, like, like up the quality bit. Yeah. Uh, no promises, right? Uh, and then eventually one of those stories became my favorite of the, of the, of the whole, like she was like, she was uh, the whole editing process. She loved it. Mm. Uh, and so now it's one of my favorite stories. Like it's really, it's, it was, it was not, it was absolutely, it was, we weren't going to include it, but I just saw that there was potential and I just wanted to help out. So that was really good for, that was, that was really like, mm. like what, com- what goes around comes around. Like this is now one of our, um, sh- she reads all our work mm. and she's nice. like an, a really good art reader and beta reader. Great. So, you know, well, yeah, so that's, I didn't know that on beforehand, but this is great. So for the other one, it was much more, uh, for me, much more sensitive because that, that, that was about transgenders and non-binary and queer people. Yeah. Um, so we got a lot of stories that were really intense, mm. uh, sometimes so intense that it wasn't really a story. Mm. And that was really hard because, you know, the people do have a story to tell, yes. but, but they're so caught up in their own emotions that they are not ready to actually tell it as a story yet. Mm-hmm. So that, that was really tough, like the decisions we had to make then. Um, and I, at, at the beginning, I said, I'm not going to coach anyone because I don't have the time because I was moving to Cyprus at, at yeah. that time. But I did, there was this 15 year old um, who had this story and I, 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 took, I took him on. Uh, and that was a great experience as well. So what I learned from that is that I don't know, like I, I don't know how how much like this is obviously this is uh, especially that the, the uh, uh, courage is a gift. That's the the second one. That book is like I'm gonna say sold in quotation marks because we don't get any money from that. But that's the book that we sell the most, mm. and I think that says a lot about. Um, that people need these kind of stories. So our project is really the, the idea behind the project is that it's not people writing about certain people, but yeah. it's these certain people writing about themselves so and not necessarily about themselves. Voice, yeah. yeah. So it's really the own voices, uh, mm-hmm. uh, kind of thing. And I think the most rewarding thing is, is not necessarily what other people say about the anthologies, but the, um, like just the, the enthusiasm from the authors who are usually not like professional authors, mm-hmm. right? Like I said, like the, we, we, we've worked with a lot of first time authors who are just like, this is my chance. I'm going to write this story now. Yeah. Um, so it's just really rewarding how, how happy they are with the final product. Uh, mm. And also the emails you get that people feel heard. Yeah. Right. And that it's been, that it's, 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 it's so amazing that they now have their story out in the yeah. world. That's beautiful. Uh, yeah, so I, I really want to do more, but, but time-wise, it's a, it's a tricky. Uh, it's because it's it takes a lot it's of work. a lot of work, I imagine. Yeah, it and is. It's not paid work either. In that no, sense. no, this is pro bono, yeah. uh, and I never like I, uh, people have told me that I'm crazy for doing that for free. Yeah, but it's passion uh, project, just like you said. It's it's passion. I'm like I, this is my my whole thing is that there are people around the world who have 
who um, who need to hear these stories because these stories are about them and there are too many stories not about them. Yeah. So if, if, if I don't, I don't care where you are, I want you to be able to, to, if you have a phone, right. Yeah. Um, so we, we don't, so we also like, if you go to my website, you can just download PDFs of these books, right? Like you don't mm. even have to have an Amazon account mm. or a Kobo account. Like uh, I just wanted these stories to reach as many because people need to read about their own people who are like them. Right, I agree. And uh, that was not, the that's that's the a great way to to give back to like when you're, you know, yeah. Everybody's yeah. journey is their own, of course. But you know, for those of you listening who are thinking about how can I give back or do work that benefits other and find that balance. Like if I'm making enough with my books or my manuscripts, right? Like how can I lift others up too? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, that's, I I do believe what goes around comes around. Um, But yeah, if anybody is, because there's so many minority voices out there. So if anybody listening belongs to one of these groups and wants to be like a co-editor. Yeah. And has like, like, I'm always free for new ideas, just pitch. Because the thing is, I always think I don't have time, but for stuff like this, I'll make time. Mm. Um, so if somebody's out there, like, I wish there were more stories about, I don't know, black lesbians that just throw something in, right? Um, and you're like, I can, I, I'd love to be a co-editor. You don't have to have uh, any prior experience. You just have to love good story. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah, you can, pitch, you can pitch me anything. Great. And so... Uh, so on that topic then, so for people listening, how can they find you? In so many ways. Um, you can find me through my website, mswordsmith.nl. I know the NL scares a lot of people. Yeah, um, and I'll have this but, in the show description as well. Yeah, but it's uh, the, the, the full website is in English, so don't worry about that. <laughs> you can also find me on Facebook, facebook.com slash mswordsmith. Um, I also have a YouTube channel that I'll give you the link to. Uh, and of course, if you're into tarot or divination, uh, feel free to follow me on Instagram and join me on, in my, my tarot challenges there. Uh, I will also give you, it's Mariella Smith, but I'll also give the link to you. To you. Great. Uh, and of course, email uh, Mariella at mswordsmith.nl for those who want to pitch me uh, the next anthology idea. Great. Well, it's been a pleasure talking with you, Muriel. Thank you for having me. And it's yeah. it's wonderful how we get to talk about so many things. I know. It, it's yeah. great. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of The Fearless Storyteller. As a reminder, any and all links can be found in the show notes. And if you're enjoying this podcast, will you please consider leaving a review? By doing so, you'll be helping new listeners discover The Fearless Storyteller podcast.